Hello and welcome to Saladcast. Hi, Glenn. How are we doing? Oh, straight into it today, Ollie. Yeah. I like that. No episode number. We've got we've got lots to be getting on with today, haven't we? Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 very key. We we move on fast, I think. <laughs> so yeah, um, and quite an interesting podcast today. Um, but I think before we start, um, yeah, I, I went out, recorded the Grand Prix, came back and started it about fifty minutes late. Um, but what an amazing Grand Prix, and also what a historic moment of Lewis Hamilton getting seven. Um, so I'm sure you watched it. Yeah, we talked about Grand Prix before, haven't we? Me and you were, were big fans of the Grand Prix. And it, yeah, it was a historic moment and probably the highlight of my sporting weekend, if I'm honest with you, because there wasn't much good stuff to talk about Shrewsbury. But yeah, it was it was good. And uh, it's always good to see a Brit winning things. I think that's always good, isn't it? So that was the highlight. We were about to talk about the lowlights, Ollie. And I think um, before we really get into this podcast, we, we brought a guest on. Um, as usual, we've asked uh, my brother back on because he's not been on for a while. And uh, we were having a bit of a chat about things in the week. So I thought it was a good time to get you back on, Mike. So yeah, welcome back onto the podcast, Mike Price. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Um, I wish it was under better circumstances. <laughs> well, yeah, we might be bringing you on all the bad times over the last few years, to be honest with you. You might be the go-to uh, misery correspondent, Mike, but yeah. um, I'm sure, other than the poor, other than the poor her season. But yeah, we've obviously uh, talked about our family before and how much we all talk about football. And I've been to my dad's today and caught up with them and got their thoughts on it as well. So it might be a bit price heavy later on, Ollie. But um, yeah, my family are pretty unified in what's going on at the moment, that's for sure. Cool, cool. So <laughs> yeah, um, so let, before we get on to the one game, let's just do a very mini um, um, review of the EFL trophy. So, um, watch just a bit of the highlights of this. Um, we played um, 3 4 3 or 5 2 3, however you want to describe it. Um, Zambia played left back, and um, Barnett played, Josh Daniels played, and, and Tracy played. We didn't really play a striker, and Tracy kind of played up front. Um, it's fair to say that um, our defending was shambolic again, and Crewford have scored more. Nice goals um, from Shrewsbury. Um, and also, um, for me, probably the biggest takeaway was that, that Miller looked like he was ready for league action and he started on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, no, not, I don't think you've got much to say about that. It's probably better if we just get into the Swindon game, I think. <laughs> I like the fact that a few weeks ago we said we'd do the two-minute Ollie Warner reviews of EFL trophy games. You couldn't even do 25 seconds there. That's, that's no, how little it was. But <laughs> I think seeing uh, Tracy score a hat-trick was, was pretty impressive, to be fair. We don't get many hat-tricks as a football club, do we? So, um, yeah, I, I haven't got anything to say on that. And, and I'm 100% sure, Mike, you did not watch that game. What game? Didn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't exist for me. Doesn't no, and, and to be fair, though, I don't really count those goals in those games towards the stats. So whenever I do stats on this podcast on Twitter, um, they never include those games because, let's be honest, they don't really count. Um, they do sorry, technically, but, yeah, they do technically count for the football club, though, um, in their official stats, to be like, fair. You but can't yeah, count it, a goal it, against, can't call Jason Cummings scoring against um, Newcastle's <laughs> on a 21 side where they don't even have a youth academy. Like, that just doesn't they, yeah. play out for me. I know one man who thinks these games count, guys, and we'll get on to him later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, a, nice, a nice end to that chat. I think that's a good way of moving on. Um, so, yeah, let's get into the swimming. It was a nerve-wracking finale for the visiting fans as Luke Rogers volleyed this one home. But in the end, it was the result which preserved Carlisle United's league status. So, Shrewsbury Town 3, Swindon 3. Um, yeah, a lot of goals in this game. Um, yeah, it was 2-1 going in at half-time, um, and it ended up being 3-all. Um, so, yeah, um, interestingly, Glenn, I, the one stat I found was that this is Swindon's first points away from home this season. So, <laughs> Brilliant. Um, you've done a few other. You've done a bit more digging. Well, yeah, it's the misery, misery stat section again. But you know, some of these things are so, are so historically bad. You have to kind of say it. So, I think a few weeks ago, I talked about the start to the season being the um, the eighth worst. Um, so, yeah, considering we haven't really picked up since then, this is now up to the seventh worst start to a season since we came into the league in 1950-51. So, um, it's slowly slipping down towards being the worst start to a season. Um, but yeah, a few, few stats I thought we, we could run over. Um, it, one of the things we'll talk about as this game goes on is the fact that town never comfortably see out um, leads when we're leading at home, particularly. And I thought it, it, it was just at the back of my mind that, that that's been a common occurrence that we haven't, you know, easily won games. So I looked into it. In the entire time Ricketts has been here, only once have Shrewsbury Town won a league game at home by more than one goal. So all the wins he's actually had have just been, you know, just by the one goal. They've all been tight games. So I thought I'd throw that in because it's relevant to the discussion we're going to have about holding on to leads. Um, Worryingly, Ollie uh, and Mike as well, who's here, um, and everyone listening, we are now eight points already behind where we were this point last season after 11 games. Um, and that is already a pretty big gap to make up. And without those eight points last season, where were we? 
in a relegation battle. So, um, yeah, it clearly points towards where, where we're at and the sort of season we're going to be having. And the worst thing is, if you compare it to um, run game 11, if you compare it to game 12, 13 and 14 last season, we got a draw, a draw and a win. And I mean, before I move on to the rest of the stats, I'll ask you, Mike, can you see us taking five points in the next three games? I can't see us taking five points the rest of the season at the way we're going. <laughs> oh, no. It's worrying, yeah. isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, it's really worrying. Um, yeah, I think we'll come on to some stats um, kind of when we get to a few um, few discussion points at the end. Um, but yeah. yeah, whatever stat you look at at the moment, it's pretty um, pretty embarrassing and um, pretty shambolic. Yeah, and then the last one I was looking at was we, we talk about Ricketts' form as a, as a league manager and how it's it's been very poor recently, obviously, but how poor is that in the context of his time here? So Saturday was his 71st game as as Town manager in the league. And I thought, why not look at them and break them down into blocks of 10 to understand kind of where he's been sort of performing out of the 30 points in those box of 10 so obviously he came in after ASCII and, and only picked up seven points in the first 10 games but then 11 to 20 was 15 21 to 30 was 13 31 to 40 was 10 41 to 50 was 12 so obviously getting more than 10 points out of 30 for those middle period of games but in the last 20 games 51 to 60 was eight points and obviously the last block of 10 61 to 70 was only seven points back to where it was when he just took over ASCII. So um, to me, you know, I'll ask Mike this one, but there's a very clear indication there looking at this sort of way that the, the, the results have gone on the points per game that we're getting, um, that the no the, the nosedive in league form is is very clear for all to see, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's what you just described, we're basically back where we started when he took over, aren't we? We're, he's had, yeah. you know, the best part of two, two and a half seasons and he's, he's achieved the net result of no improvement. And that's, you know, that's borne out in the points per game stat, you know, he's seven in 10 when we took over, seven in 10 in his last 10. What's he, what's he actually achieved in all that time? Like n- nothing. Huge turnover of players, but we're still pulling in the same thing we were when he had Askey's team to play with. Mm. I think I think we'll get into this in a bit more detail, Ollie, as, as we get to the end of the game, because the, the improvement and where we're going and you know lack of sellable assets is all part of the discussion of Max Amrickets as Shrewsbury Town manager. But yeah, they're the key stats really to kind of kind of give this game some context before we move on to looking at the team selection. Yeah. Um, so Harry Bowen started in goal. Um, we had a Miller as we just talked about in the crew game. He started um, alongside a back three of Williams, Ebanks, and Pierre. And um, Daniel's playing left wing back. And then we had Edwards in Norburn in midfield. Um, and there's quite a bit of discussion kind of pre-game who was going to start up front. Um, and we had Pugh playing in the centre. Um, we had Worley and Tracy um, either side of him. Um, and kind of like, yeah, first question to you, Mike. Um, you know, how would you describe this team? Are you, are you a 3-4-3 man or is this a 5-2-3 for you? Um, it's, I, I'm sure if you ask Sam Ricketts, it's 5-3-2 when we're, de- 5-2-3 when we're defending, 3-4-3 when we're attacking. I'm sure he thinks it's very fluid. But when I look at that team sheet, it doesn't matter which way you cut it up. It's a three-four-three-zero or a five-two-three-zero because there's no striker on the pitch. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's. I know we scored some goals in this game, but I mean, they they had you know two set pieces and a and a bit of a worldie. I mean, it doesn't look like a balanced team to me because you're not playing any strikers. Yeah, I asked the question, Ollie, on, on the agenda here. What what was Mark Pugh's position for you? Was he was he a striker or was he playing a false nine, you know, running in there? Or, or did he play more of that man through the middle like we've seen Clark, Cummins and Ado do? What, what did you make of Pugh and his position? Um, well, the trouble for Mark Pugh playing that position, it, I would say, yeah, it was a kind of a bit of a false nine. He was kind of quite a bit of licence to move around. For me, his, his main role seemed to be sitting on um, their two central midfielders whenever we got the ball. So I think he was mm. playing there for his defensive um, kind of awareness uh, more than Pugh. anything else. Um, Mark Pugh is playing as a defensive midfield compression <laughs> agent here. Is this what we're saying? That's when he's seen most effective. And the reason I say that is because we only made like 250 passes in this whole game. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to play a false nine, you want to kind of play the ball into his feet. Um, but it's fair to say that he didn't really get much of the ball. Um, yeah, he wasn't very, he wasn't involved a lot in the game. That's fair to say. Well, it's interesting, like looking at looking at the lineup and there being no strikers. And we, we look at the starting lineup, but for me, you look at the bench. You know, Doe and Cummins are on the bench, Mike. And you know, these are two pretty seasoned League One strikers now, and they're they're being binned off for for the Mark Pugh experiment. It, it cannot be good for their confidence. I mean, they've not been great, but it still it still doesn't help them, does it? No, I think we've had we've had Pugh in at ten. We've had Pugh out wide. We've had Pugh through the middle as a striker now. I mean, is he going to get a go at left back in a bit? I mean, it, it, we seem obsessed <laughs> with playing him somewhere and thinking he might be the magic bullet that turns the season around. But if you're Jason Cummins and to a lesser extent Danny Udo, the the enthusiasm machine, um, 
I think you know you've got to be thinking what the hell is going on here. You're like when am, you know when are we, when am I going to get a proper go? Well, the trouble with Pugh as well, he was playing. He was playing centrally. Um, he only made sixteen um, kind of successful passes, and virtually all of those were on the left hand side. Mm. Yeah, and he did won, do one really good cross. So give exactly, him credit what, there. But his one good contribution was out wide when he crossed for for a, it was Miller's yeah. goal, wasn't it? It just tells you you should play, you play a guy who's played Premier League football on the wing on the wing. It's it's not rocket science, is it? <laughs> It's not. It's um, not. I've just I've just changed my top three, Ollie, after this initial discussion right at the start right at the start of the podcast because I I think I got it all very wrong thinking about it looking looking at it a day later. I mean, you know, for me, we've I noticed on Twitter, Ollie, you you don't like this midfield formation either. You don't like the two sitting there and then and then a three. You're not a fan of that compared to some of the other formations we can play. Are you? Um, it's it's well, it depends how you're going to play. I don't, I don't mind it if you if you play over ten, mm. but yeah, having two midfield, I think, is a little bit. It's not ideal, um, especially when you're playing against a team that plays with two sitters. The ten, it's not really going to be ideal, and it's no surprise that they dominate possession. Um, um, we'll come to that later. But um, interesting tweet from Chris Hudson. Um, I'm going to go to Mike after this. You know, Chris says on Twitter, he says we have four starters age 33 or over, and that <laughs> could be five when Clark returns. What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's max of poor poor planning and squad building uh, towards the start of the season. But it's not just the age of some of the players. It's the amount of football they've got to catch up on. So you've got Daniels is over 30, catching up on his season. Worley coming back from injury, catching up on his season. Tracy's barely played. Edwards is coming back from an injury. Pugh's catching up on his season. Miller's come over from Australia and he's been out of the team for two or three weeks. Like The majority of the team are in pre-season, basically. And then you've got Pierre and Ebanks who are bang out of form, you know, Norburn and Williams are going to carry him through. It's it's it seems on paper to be a really struggling side, doesn't it? But it's on paper and on the field. Whenever we well, watch yeah, every Saturday, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty clear they're uh, they're a struggling side. I you know I don't I don't want to say this, Ollie, but you know I noticed this week Jermaine Grandison was talking about making a comeback. Um, you know he's had these serious hip injuries, but apparently he's ready for a comeback next season. Just going to point out he's only twenty nine. You know he could he scored four years on some of our players, so never write him off, Ollie. He could he could make it back one day. But yeah, for me, the age of the squad. It, it, continues to be a bit of a concern for me because as we'll get to the end of this game I, I think the age of the squad and the lack of um, playing time for some of the players that played in this game maybe Miller's Miller and Edwards looking at those two Wally obviously with his injury I feel like leggy um, tiredness towards the end of the game was another reason why we went on to lose it so yeah it's good you, you want some experience in your team and you want some experience in your squad but I'm not I'm not sure we should be starting with five 33 year olds and over smacks of the Ratcliffe season again Ollie well I'd say one thing, Glenn, if you've got an experienced team, you'd expect a bit of leadership and a bit of experience at um, tight periods <laughs> of the game. And let's see when yeah. we come to it, how they performed in that. Oh, don't give the game away. It's not good. Yeah, um, yeah but so, that, yeah, that's the team, I suppose, and, and a fair point from Chris. Um, I don't know, the, the start of the game, really, uh, it was crap weather, wasn't it? It was absolutely chucking yeah. down. It got worse as the game went on. Um, I was I was sitting in Bellevue. It got rainy as the, as the match went on and the wind got up. But... Yeah, I don't know about the start to the to the game because obviously we were, we rushed into a pretty two goal lead lead as it went on, but I don't know. I I find this really hard. Like a lot of people were going a bit overboard when we went two 0 up, and I and I was watching the game thinking, yeah, we were playing some nice stuff going forward, but you always had that thought at the back of your mind something was going to go wrong. So I don't know. What, what did you start with you, Ollie? What did you make of the initial period of that game? Really, how it settled? Well, first of all, I think it's worth noting that Agent Grant um, got us the game starting, and we were going the wrong way. So I don't know if that <laughs> yeah. had anything to do with it. We were playing. We were normally obviously attack the. Um, um, we normally attack the away end in the first half, and he, he switched it around, which I thought was quite funny. Um, but yeah, I think we started well, Glenn. Um, I'll be honest with you. I was quite. I quite actually enjoyed the first half. Um, I mm. didn't expect to enjoy the first half, uh, but there was actually some really enjoyable moments. Um, but I think it's fair to say that that came down to, I think, individuals performing well rather than any kind of grand master plan. Um, and, yeah, while we started well, Swindon were not very good defensively. Um, but to be fair to them, they were the team that kind of created the first chance. So a quick effort from Swindon, a ball over the top between our centre-backs, which seems to be, you know, a kind of method um, 101, how to attack Shrewsbury Town this season. Really close effort, and that was close. And then a few minutes later... Um, really, this is really um, good from Miller. Um, quick throw. Um, Wally wins a corner. Corner taken from Daniels. Um, and he finds Pierre to head home. Um, and yeah, that's to make um, Pierre our second highest goal scorer this season. <laughs> oh, sorry, our, our highest goal, our biggest goal scorer of two goals. Obviously, as I, yeah. as I said, I don't count EFL games. 
That's why uh, that's why um, Ricketts put him up front. He clearly can see the skills and abilities <laughs> he's got as a forward man. But yeah, I, I, I don't know, Mike. We obviously took a, took a one 0 lead, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what he made of the goal. It was a, it was a pretty good goal, wasn't it uh, for, for me? Yeah, Pierre does brilliantly to just absolutely dominate um, and, and get his head on it and smack it into the back of the net. Yeah. I think it was nice to see Wally going going out wide and winning the corner. Um, the delivery is good on the corner. You can't you can't fault the goal that we scored. It was what we should be doing: get the ball out wide to the wide runners, get a set piece, whip it in, and get the big lads to nod it in. It's not again, it's not rocket science football, is it? Um, yeah. And it was nice to see us get off, uh, get ahead, and get off to a runner early doors. It was it was um, surprising. Yeah, eleven minutes in, and obviously the the question then, Ollie, turns to. Can we get two goals in a game, and can we actually start to, you know, to stamp our authority on a match? And, and, and only what was it? Five minutes later, we obviously got a second, and probably we were okay in that period up to the second goal as well, and um, just probably deservedly led to nil really at the end of that point. Yeah, I'd say so. And well, we took our chance as well. Um, again, yep. again, it needed another set piece for us to kind of create the opportunity, but um, yeah, it was good. It was decent. Um, a good run from Pew. Um, runs um, runs central. One of the few times he actually did that in the game. Um, he has a shot. Um, it goes blocked for a corner. Um, then basically, yeah, we take the corner and it gets recycled from Pew. That's where there's a bit of confusion why Pew was on that left-hand side. It was because he, he came, um, does yeah. a, a Cruyff turn, um, gets into the box um, and a really, really super run um, from Miller to head home. And, you know, I think this was the first time this season I was like, yeah, jumping up going, yeah, another goal. And it's like, oh, yeah, if it was, this is what it's like being a football fan again. It was really nice to see. <laughs> It was a really brave header, I thought, by Miller, quite low down. I didn't see that until I watched it back today. I thought he'd, he'd, I thought he'd ciphered him when I watched it on Saturday. But, yeah, I thought a, re- a really brave header. And I think the, that, the first two goals, Mike, uh, you know, they were starting to show that Pugh and Daniels can bring some quality in set piece and sort of crossing positions that we we maybe lacked before that, particularly with Wally taking corners. And it is, it is obviously something we're, we're starting to utilise. Yeah, I, I think that the sort of start of this game feeds back into what we were talking about earlier on, you know, getting very good, experienced footballers. They're going to start well because they've still got the legs, but it's it's when the legs mm. drop out that's the problem. So, you know, it's all there to see. You know, Pew, Daniels, they're very, very good footballers. Um, can they do it for 90 minutes at the moment is the question. Yeah, they're, they're not. But, yeah, there we go. Uh, you did just briefly touch on Swindon and we'll cover them as we go through the game because they, they massively improved. They definitely had a, a first half that was very poor and a second half that was much better. But in this first period when we scored the two goals and, and, and you know, continued to play quite well, up until the 30th minute, I suppose. They were awful. You know, they, they they had a new keeper in goal, we should say. It wasn't their regular keeper. And he looked very, very nervous, kind of kicking out from the back. And, and the high ball he looked awful at. And their defending of crosses was absolutely abject in the first half. Probably as abject as ours was second half. But, um, yeah, they, they really didn't start this game well. And, and they looked like a team that were really struggling away from home and needed something to go for them to kick them into, into shape, didn't they, really, Ollie? Yeah, they were a team coming, you know, they looked like a side that hadn't taken a point away from home all season. Um, and yeah, James from D3, D4 podcast was watching this and his summary was at half time was, yeah, the Town took advantage of a shaky Winden, the Swindon side. Um, and yeah, mm. whenever they attacked, they did look quite weak and they looked quite nervous. Um, and yeah, we, we kind of took advantage of that. Um, but it's fair to say, though, that, um, you know, that they did get something um, from the half. Um, something to kind of, which I think was probably probably a key turning point actually when you when you look back at the game that they did end the half with something. Um, so yeah. basically, the rain um, absolutely started really coming down now. Um, yeah, thirty minutes into the, uh, the game, ball over the top again, um, defense all over the place. So yeah, Pierre misses the header. Um, then <laughs> basically the guy drives into the box. Um, Ebanks dives in um, as if like try and block the shot that doesn't come. So he gets left. Uh, and then Boygoin has absolutely no chance um, goal, and again, just really poor ball over the top again. Simplest, you know, we don't. We, it doesn't take much for the opposition to, to tear us apart. Um, and yeah, a, a goal, a goal in, yeah, undeserved for them. I remember watching it now. I mean, it was forty-three minutes, uh, Mike, yeah. which is exactly the time you don't want to concede. And we talk about what happened late on, but again, is it a mental, mental sort of issue that we're conceding goals late on in halves? I don't know, but awful times concede. Yeah, you know, let's say it could be tiredness again. You know, the legs sort of giving up before mm. the rest of our time. But I think it's mental as well. You know, I don't think they believe that they can hold on to something like that, that they can get in at half time ahead. I think there's a great deal of uh, fragility in that squad. Um, but the, like you say, the, the, the goal itself, you know, Pierre missing the header, OK. Then Evank sells himself down the river very, very easily. It's, it's, it's one of the most simple sort of cutbacks that sends him. But then good old Pierre makes sure he gets back in to deflect it past Bergoin as well. So <laughs> it, it's, it really is a, a bit calamitous when you watch it back. 
And considering we've started playing three centre backs again, and then mm. leaking, you know, six goals in a week, it's it's, it's not great, is it, with the, the defenders? And we'll we'll have to have a little bit of a discussion at the end about our centre backs, Ollie, because they are a big concern at the moment. But um, yeah, obviously, forty three minutes, um, two one, and it was huge for the game, you know, in, in terms of, of where we were at. If we could have got to that to the half time at two nil, I, I think even we could have held on to that because. Swindon hadn't been good in that half and just that little bit of hope that they got on 43 minutes absolutely hugely changed the flow of the game um, despite us getting one back second half to go through one up but it, it was it was just massive wasn't it um, I suppose we got to half time and, and there were some positives Mike um, you know I, I'll ask you my first question obviously we'd seen our first sort of 45 Miller minutes of Miller um, having a good run out as a, as a starter in the football league what do you make of his sort of I suppose the whole game really yeah, I, I I liked what he brought. Actually, he's quite energetic. He gets up and down. He, he he's sort of confident on the ball. I think he's he's clearly a little bit more experienced than um, the fella from Fulham, whose name Fossey. Yeah, Fossey. He's he's a bit more of a complete footballer than him. Fossey's clearly still learning, and obviously he's far better at going forward than Donald Love. Um, so I did I didn't mind him to be fair. I've only seen him once, but he, he was all right. He wasn't certainly wasn't at fault for a lot of the stuff that went wrong in the game. No, he's, he's better going forward, Ollie, than than I initially thought. I thought he was more of your defensive player from from what I'd read about. You know, in terms of of, of playing that right wing back position, whereas Fossey was maybe our more attacking option. I figured they dovetail that way when we're trying to push on. We'd maybe see Fossey, and when we when we needed to do the other role, we'd probably see Miller. But actually, I thought he he did really well going forward as well, and I, I thought he was absolutely um, one of the standout players in the first half. And there were so many times where he he was offering a good option on the wing, and, and his crossing wasn't you know Roshan. Williams-esque when he gets down there when he's playing that right wing back position it was definitely a step up so yeah unfortunately he might not be here for too long although as was pointed out uh, at the weekend to me on Twitter we do have a, a clause to buy him um, my concern would be do we actually have any money to buy him anymore but um, certainly if he plays like that for the rest of the period up to January it's something we need to seriously consider Ollie. Yeah he's a really good player I think I like the fact that he did that quick throw he saw a space um, he seems quite experienced I think you know one of the things we've really struggled is winning the balls from from goal kicks um, and he offered an outlet there as well. And um, I think that, yeah, the right flank of Wally and Miller looked um, quite experienced mm. and quite solid. Um, and, and yeah, he, he's quite athletic and um, he's quite strong um, and he's willing to yeah, to go and win a header. So, yeah, it looks like a really, really good um, piece of recruitment. Um, it's just not ideal. It's obviously potentially it's a short-term fix um, for the team and we'll have more change if, if he does go mm. back to Newcastle. We can re-register Donald Love, though, in January, so that's we fine. Yeah. <laughs> There we go. Um, but yeah, I suppose in just looking at positives quickly before we move on to second half, because I haven't got too many to say, um, you know, I guess there were some positives, Mike, in the attacking play during that half. Obviously, we scored two goals, both from set pieces, but there were some some signs that Wally, uh, Pugh and particularly Tracy, who we haven't talked about yet, they, they had a bit of something running at players and it actually looked like we could have some defenders worried at times, which we ha- haven't seen really in some of the more stilted attacking performances and, you know, definitely looked different to sort of the, the big man in the middle and two blokes off them kind of approach we've had so far this season. Yeah, it was less direct, which I enjoyed. I haven't enjoyed watching mm. bang the ball up towards whoever's been given the number nine shirt recently. Um, but like, but what get what gets it for me is we do bits, we do little bits, okay. So you'll have like we'll do a three man press and it looks quite good, and the three they, they press and they they rush swind into a mistake, and you think, oh, that's something. And then next time we press, only one of them goes. You think it's not? Mm. They, they're not consistent with what they do, mm. and then you know we'll play some we'll play some football. But then next five times we try, it, it just doesn't come off. So it's th- there's something. It was nice to see Wally back, and I thought actually he played he played well considering he's coming yep. back from injury and not played a lot of football recently. It was it was clear how much we'd missed him. But it's just, and I, we'll probably come on to this later. I, I I watched that team and the way they try and attack, and I can't really work out what we're trying to be. And that's that, that's the well, overall thing. Right changes there. every week, doesn't it? Mark? Yeah. Like we go <laughs> back to Burton, we were this long ball merchant side. Then we've had like over 500, 600 passes a game, and now we've had 200. Yeah. Um, and and then it works. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, your point <laughs> about pressing is really is a really good one, Mike, because quite a few times um, players turn around to after pressing to see no one's there. Yeah, it's, it looks so frustrating. I mean, Wally, yeah. Wally loves a press, and he turns around and he's got his hands in the air because he's getting no help from his mates, and now he's at position, which makes us easier to break against. So unless they're all going to go, nobody should go. But it seems mm-hmm. like they might be... Make, like the times when we do a good three-man press, I think it's just accidentally three of them decide to press at once. Yeah. I don't think it's a plan. Yeah, no. no, I think I think there's something dysfunctional. Again, we keep using the word dysfunctional the way this way this team performs. Um, it's like the players don't always follow the instructions. Mm. or don't believe in them. No, actually look good as I say in in that in that press. But the thing I noted about the press, I think I tweeted this after 25 minutes because I, I saw about like three or four times where Pew did press press and he put a lot into it but you know we talk about again what happened at the end the legs 
I just I, I tweeted something like, if Pew's going to press like this the whole game, no one, there's no way he can last more than 70 minutes, which mm. obviously he did, but he shouldn't have. He, he was buggered by about 20 minutes to go, particularly as we came under pressure. And, you know, again, have we got the fitness of players to do that press like maybe we had in the Paul Hurst team or other teams we've had slightly younger, more dynamic players? Wally can do it, but he'll never do it for 90 minutes. Pew can't do it for 90 minutes. Tracy probably can, but he's still quite raw. And there are times, like Mike pointed out, where he was the one that didn't go into the press and he got a little bit caught in the headlights, um, despite how flashy and good he looked on the ball so you know again maybe there's still room for improvement in in that tactic going forward but quite what the personnel are um and how you change that during the game i don't know but yeah definitely definitely was a positive but definitely maybe there's more we can get out of it so um interesting interesting discussion um it's, it's something we've, we've not seen before so second half man i mean considering there were three goals in this half ollie it wasn't really much to talk about <laughs> no there wasn't there wasn't a lot especially for the first kind of 10 minutes um, and the game kind of just, yeah, was woken up really by a nice goal um, by Shrewsbury. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and Edward releases Tracy, bombs on, Tracy pulls back. Um, Pew kind of couldn't get to it, but touches it in and then hit there. Edo just comes flying in um, and, yeah, shoots into the back end there. And that was a super goal, wasn't it, Glenn? Oh, fantastic. You know, I love Dave Edwards. And for him to score, I think he hit it with his left foot as well, I saw someone saying. I, I forgot to double check when I looked it back today, but that's obviously not his favoured foot. But it was just perfect. Really clear connection, really crisp connection. And, um, you know, to hammer it into the top corner like that always feels really, really good. And yeah, despite how crap that opening period of this game had been and and what was to, you know, un, un, unfurl after this goal, probably as a result of this goal, if I'm honest with you, um, you know, it, it felt pretty much... I, I, I know a lot of people saying, oh, I didn't feel like it was game over there, but I, I thought 3-1 against a team like Swindon who had not been very good I, I thought that would have been enough but um, it's always a good moment Mike when Dave Edwards scored isn't it? Loved it big shout of Dave in my house up on my feet that was um, it was a, it was a brilliant <laughs> finish to him fair play um, I, th- I think there's a little bit of fortune in the touch from Pew he's just kind of trying to get something on it I don't yeah. think he needs to get it to Edwards but um, good Edwards on his toes he, he's clearly he clearly gets beyond it might have been um, Anthony Grant who was supposed to be there sort of shielding mm. um, but he he makes the first move gets beyond whoever the Swindon player should have been there and um, lovely finish and like you say at 3-1 you're thinking come on this has got to be three points on the board um, but then I looked at my wife and I said we're definitely going to fuck this up <laughs> <laughs> and then um, yeah heavens <laughs> opened up at this point so yeah it kind of the rain went to 11 um, and yeah it was absolutely bucking it down I've got to say, before we talk about the rain, Ollie, your mum's not going to be happy with you swearing on the podcast, Mike. She's, <laughs> she's admonished me a few weeks ago, so you're definitely going to get it in the neck for that. We're socially distancing now. She can't tell me off. <laughs> it's fine. Um, cool. But yeah, you're right, Ollie. Absolutely lashed it down, didn't it? And, yeah. um, you know, it sort of changed the dynamic of the game. It became, again, when you're worried about players' legs and fitness, a really muddy, heavy pitch is the last thing we really need at this point in time. Um, and, and it just got worse and worse and worse um, in terms of, of in terms of how slow the game went, I thought. Um, and, and this was probably the moment, wasn't it, really, for us to really put the game to bed when Wally sort of did a really good run um, and just dragged his shot wide at the end of it. And, and you know, that would have been us 4-1 in control. We still kind of were in control at 3-1. But as, as soon as they got their second goal, the game just fell off a cliff, didn't it? And um, yeah. and, and it was a bloody... And it's, this is this is a goal that's left you quite livid, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, Glenn. Um, this was not a good goal. This was a goal... I watched it back and I was like, it's it's like 10 times worse than I kind of realised in, in real time. Um, so yeah, so basically the right back gets the ball and he decides, well, it's going to go for a little jog. It's like a kind of, you know, a guy who's 50, he's kind of warming up for his first 10k, he hasn't done for six months. So he kind of warms up a little bit and he jogs past Pew and Pew's like, well, yeah, go on, mate, off you go. Um, so he jogs forward into a half and, and then there's this almost like a nice square around him, all socially distant. So you've got Norburn, Pierre, Daniels and Pew all giving the lad plenty of space and they're going, yeah, you can have the ball there, mate. Don't worry, you can cross it. So he crosses it to the back post and Williams stands off and Edwards stands off. Um, and there's basically this guy at the back post. To be honest, I'm not sure if he, who should be marking him, but to be honest, there was plenty of time to get to him. And Williams is thinking, well, you've got the ball and you're in my box, but I'll let you steady, steady yourself. I'll give you some time. And then he shoots and in the, to the back of the net. And to be honest, if anything sums up everything that is wrong with this team, it's this goal. No mm. desire, um, no kind of, I'm um, kind of like, um, yeah, no desire, lazy, um, kind of just flat-footedness, always looking for someone else to blame. And I'd be fascinated to know if they ever look at these goals as a team or whether the manager looks at them, because this keeps happening. We keep conceding sloppy goals and goals where the team is not working very hard. And no one seems no one seems bothered because we keep doing it. Balls mm. over the top, really simple balls to defend. 
and this is just this is just this is this is Sunday league kind mm-hmm. of um, you know all the team have got a hangover um, it's just not really good enough to professional footballers yeah. No, and it was it was the goal that absolutely changed the game as well. And if you if you put that effort in and you you do the things you need to do, the things that we hope that Sam Ricketts is, is coaching them to do, then you know you still probably go on to win this game. But it, again, it was just a, such a vital moment. And I totally agree with you about particularly with Williams and Edwards. That's what worried me the most is that they 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 could have tried to go forward, to but, it, but they both looked more. Daniels was completely free. Yeah. Daniels should have been bombing in as soon as he went past Pew. Thought right, that's my man. He was just kind of dawdling around Williams the same there's no communication mm. amongst the team they're all just just passengers um, along for the ride panicking panicking mm. Mike um, I feel I sometimes if panicking. panicking would suggest that they're actually going to try and do something they're just <laughs> not doing anything they're just, yeah. they're just gormless I'd say I, I'll refer you back to uh, a previous comment of Sam Rickards you'll never see a Sam Rickards team give less than 100% <laughs> that's on record he, he said that and this yep. is a perfect example of where that does not bear true I mean like you say, the, the the fullback for Swindon, he is the trundler's trundler. He was going about three mile an hour past Pew and he just got let go. And as he advances on our fullback, there's no press. There's, you know, like you say, free cross, pop it in, doesn't matter. And then I, I think you've been a bit hard on Edwards. I think he only just gets there before the guy pops the shot. But Williams, I think he might have stood there all day waiting for him to shoot it. Yeah. And the problem is, is that I think it was Mark Elliott or somebody said, he gives him a, a he gives him a body to bend the ball around. He kind of offsides and must have sort of partly sighted Burgoyne. Um, it's a it's a great finish, but the I think you're you're right about the, the level of effort and energy in that team is is alarming, and it looks like a bunch of guys hoping somebody else will dig them out out of the muck because nobody is there leading by example. You know, even the captain Ollie Norburn, he runs around and he, he sort of huffs and puffs, but he's not leading by example. Dave Edwards, you know, he's not got the legs to lead by example. Aaron Pierre's off the boil. You know, the people you're hoping are going to stand up and drag that team through, they're just not mm. doing it. And it, and it all comes from the manager. It must all come from yeah, the manager. Yeah, it all comes from the manager. Because I saw someone, saw someone, and it's not criticism of them, that they're having a discussion on Twitter, trying to find excuses, not excuses, explanation to try and explain why this team isn't doing very well. And um, he goes on Twitter, you know, they're not experienced. And Lewis Cox points out that Pierre and Ebanks are 28. So mm, the, then he's not kids. And we just talked about this, you know, there's four over 33-year-olds in this team. They're not kids. This mm. is not. This is not like you know a bunch of eighteen-year-olds or twenty-year-olds or you know who are kind of you know we've got to kind of accept that they're going to make these kind of mistakes. This is a an experienced bunch of players. I was I was going to say I think it's just a case of do these people care about Shrewsbury Town as a football club? We're a stepping stone for some. We're a payday for others. I mean, who there can you really point out and say mm, they bleed blue and amber? They really care. Wally, I think, does with his with his, his length of time served at the club. Everybody else is very transitional and very. I think, you know, either Edwards move on or get, get someone. Oh, yeah, Edwards, yeah. But I, I think, he, he, you know, he cares more than his legs will allow him. But I think the rest of them, <laughs> they, they just they just seem to not, you know, if they get relegated this season, they get a job somewhere else. You know, they they don't even but, that's not, that, but that's not necessarily true. You, you look at your man Granderson, you know, you, you kind of lose, you, you know, you lose a place in a football club and you can disappear out of that, out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. A couple of players, obviously, who, who are probably fine with that because they're, they're coming to the end of their career. Um, but there's no, there's no, 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 nothing to say that you know Williams is going to get a job in League Two, and there's nothing to say that you know quite a lot of these players are going to kind of pick up another contract, and if they do, it's going to be on significantly less money, and yeah. certainly in the league below. It, it's worse than Mike points out to me. You know, like saying if they get relegated this season, do they really care? You've got a very big crop of players who are already looking at the January transfer window, thinking, can I get something better here? You know, yeah. Pew, Daniels, Goss, Love. Um, possibly, you know, Miller, depending on his contract. And I'm sure there are a few that are out of favour that might be, you know, I wouldn't blame Cummins if he's thinking about dumping us in, in yeah. trying to get a move in January. You've got a lot of players that must already be seeing the writing on the wall um, because when you're in a kind of league crisis like this and things aren't going right, it must be very easy to think about the grass being greener somewhere else. And if you're not playing, well, the football club have got to kind of consider selling someone for some money because potentially we might need it for, for, for a promotion challenge next year. So There's no value it, in this squad. Program, there's none squad. anymore, is there? No, that's the worst thing about it. So yeah, I mean that was that was just us talking about the second goal <laughs> for Swindon, but it's completely right. It, it veers off into all sorts of worrying issues and territory, and um, I think it, it brings them up even more into the third goal. But yeah, even before Swindon went on to get the third, they had some chances, and you know they they had I think we had thirty five percent possession again in this game. Ollie. They had yeah. d- almost double the amount of passes we did. We did nothing from the minute they scored their second goal. This was thirty one yeah. minutes. We did nothing, and and no. we need to now talk about tactics, Ollie, because. Yeah. The changes that Sam Ricketts made in this game, almost certainly for me, 
cost us the win. Yeah, most definitely. We went um, 4-5-1, which actually didn't seem fair. At the time, I thought that was a fairly sensible yep. decision, Fine. try and pack the middle. Um, so we brought Walker on. And for Miller, who was probably yeah, losing his legs maybe Knackered. a little bit, but you could have substituted quite a lot of players. And then, so yeah, figured out we were playing 4-5-1. And then all of a sudden, the tactic changed. And Mike, well, who was playing up front? I couldn't work out what the hell was going on, to be honest with you. It was, <laughs> it was honestly, it was at that point, it seemed like either Sam Ricketts was giving him a different in, in, instruction every five minutes, or the players just decided to go and do their own thing, try and plug gaps where they could find them. You couldn't tell me that that was a planned thing because, like you say, it was four five one, it was four four two. Well, it was. We definitely for me, we definitely went to four four two because we had yeah, we a Norburn playing up front with Tracy, and there were definitely crazy. In, 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 in odd, odd front people two. were popping. Maybe that was why I thought it was odd. People were popping up odd places. So you know, a front two of, of Tracy and you know whoever else was stood by him. It just seemed it didn't make sense to my eyes what we were no. trying to achieve with that, and it was all a case of get bodies behind the ball and try and suck up the pressure and try and get away with with the with the one goal. Advantage, but with, with with thirty minutes to go, best of luck with that. But the four four two, Ollie, even the four four two, it was four at the back and then four three yards in front of them. Do you know what mm. I mean? It was like yeah. eight at the back. It but was. The, the it back wasn't like they ever got out. Box. Yeah, <laughs> we basically kind of just kept going back and going back and going back. None of these um, experienced pros decided to take take leadership. And as Ed was pointed out in his post match, take the ball and try and hold the ball up. Oh yeah. And no idea what the hell and why Stuart Dunn and Lewis Cox didn't ask him about Norburn playing up front. That's an yeah. obvious question. Yeah. I, I don't know because um, the manager's been really rude to them in recent weeks. They didn't want to ask that question. But we've got <laughs> a, a player who, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and the Fleetwood manager was talking about Ollie Norburn as in like a player who's a good player. So we've got one of the better central midfielders in the league and we're playing him up front in a game where they're dominating possession um, and we concede in space. And we got so deep that effectively we just gave them the space in front of the box. And worse than that, because Edwards was clearly gassed and Norbert yeah. clearly would still have a, a better engine than him being younger and being more, you know, more match fit. And yet you take the legs and stick them up top where they're getting no ball and you, you keep mm. somebody who's, who's struggling to keep up with play, keep him in the engine room where he's going to really get exposed. Yeah, and you add that to the mix that our defence was basically on our penalty spot. Um, yeah, it was a recipe for disaster, and everyone, people were tweeting it and, and saying this was going to happen. And yeah, lo and behold, they scored. I mean, it's it's so predictable. Just before we get to the goal, this is this is why everyone got frustrated as soon as it went to to, to this kind of um, moment in the game where we were sitting back because we, as Shubi Town fans, under Sam Ricketts, have seen this time and time and time again. And you know, we'll, we'll maybe discuss this, whether it's a mental coaching or natural posture or players doing what they're not supposed to, which is what Ricketts indicated at the end of the game. But essentially, um, you know, we've now lost an absolute ton of points late on in games in the last two seasons alone. So we lost eight points last season past 85 minutes so MK Don's away 93 minutes Bristol Rovers at home 87 Rotherham at home 97 Fleetwood away 87 Rochdale away 88 Tranmere at home 95 Oxford at home 88 eight points gone last season you're even more comfortably mid-table with those points and this season already we've lost four we've already done double and we're 11 games into the season obviously Gillingham at home lost two points from winning position um, that was 94 and then Saturday was 93 so it's a pattern that keeps repeating itself and for me this is my number one issue this week is is Sam Ricketts learning the mistakes that he's been making for two and a half seasons? And I cannot say he is because he's just made the same mistake again in a massively important game for his career, for our football club in terms of our prospects of staying up. And he keeps making the same mistakes. And it's, it is completely and utterly, I've lost words, but frustratingly pissed off. I don't know what, what to say, but I was trying not to swear like my brother then. But it's just so infuriating, isn't it, Mike? But I mean, how I mean, does he realise their mistakes? Because if you listen to his post match, he's he's not accountable for any of this. None of this is his fault. Oh, no. he's, no. You know, so I mean, does he even realise the mistakes he's making? Because if he did, an honest man would say, "Yeah, I got that wrong." You know, hands up. But I think his whole demeanour around it is, you know, he's a football genius, and the players just aren't doing what they're told. But Jesus Christ, the players don't know what what they're being asked to do half the time. I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. I think the accountability thing is really starting to grate with me now. Um, and for me, to be honest, like sometimes the, the the press have been asking some tough questions, but I think they're becoming a bit softer at the moment. Um, uh. You know, you can look at all the answers in the world, what's going on, but it comes down to the manager. The manager sets the tone. The manager sets the expectations. The manager picks who's playing. We had Pierre playing up front for over half an hour. This game, we ended with Ollie Norburn playing up front. Um, <laughs> Maybe they'll start up together in the next match. 
It's you've got Jason Cummings. <laughs> a little man better looking. Why didn't Jason Cummings start up front this week? God knows. Actually, God knows. to try and play him up front. But it, I understand it, that Doe's been playing a lot of games, but perfect opportunity to try and play him. Um, also, and, late in the game when we're trying to hold on to the points, bring on a forward. He's going to know how to take to the corners. He's going to be cute enough to go and kill time up top. You know, and fit, put a bit of fear into the yeah. opposition. Yeah, peg him back a bit. But we do yeah, that with Ollie Nordburn playing up front with a kid that the opposition have never heard of before. Absolutely. It's a joke. The whole thing was a joke, to be honest with you. And, and you're completely right. There are so many there's so many holes in the second half you can put point fingers at, but they all go back to the manager for me. And we can talk about, you know, how, how the second goal goes, the third goal goes in a minute, and we will talk about defence after that. But I don't know, just up to that goal, we were, as we said, we were too slow. Um, Pittman had a, quite a good chance to score. Um, mm. They had a claim for a penalty, which which was not a penalty in a million years. Um, then, uh, yeah, another ball into the box. And we should give Burgoyne some credit in the game. This this kind of looked like it might have kept, kept us the win. Um, they put it into the box and he was one-on-one with Burgoyne. Uh, low shot, but he kind of hit it straight at Burgoyne, which was lucky. Um, so that was a fantastic save. And then at that point in time, the last, the last eight minutes, I reckon, is the least fit I've ever seen a team, you know, Pew, especially in the second half, but all of these lads, Pew Daniels, Edwards, Wally, Tracy Miller, all of them were all gone. And you could have probably included all the defenders in there because in the last five minutes, Ebanks Landau was towing a caravan. He was he was absolutely gone. And it was just all building, building, building. And Ollie, inevitably, you know, in the very last minute, basically, what happened? Yeah. So, yeah, basically, they're just yeah plugging the ball down the left-hand side. Um, they get a bit of space in front of the area. Again, an area where we think Ollie Norburn should have been um, occupying. And there's basically a shot inside the D um, and, yeah, deflected in um, and went into the back of the net. Um, us, the manager was moaning about it should have been a throw-in, but you can't, you, if you're not going to, if there's no desire, and I think that the tweet from Andy Davis is really good. So he said, Mark Ellett's reference being unlucky on the deflection, but when you when you sit that deep um, and you, you know this sort of thing is more likely going to hurt you, no desire on the pitch to squeeze and little idea again from the bench about how to manage a game of significance importance. Mm. Um and it was just, um, it just felt so, like, obvious it was going to happen. Um, yeah. We had a few, obviously, moments to enjoy in the first half, but this was just classic Sam Ricketts, Shrewsbury Town. And, and at the end, you know, do you remember a manager called Paul Hurst, Mike? It was really good at seeing games of football out. It's not like it's that hard of a thing to figure out, is it? I remember a guy called Linnell John Lewis who was a big part of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's it's like you say, it's, it should be one of the easiest things you can do is just take it to the corners and you know, shore it up and don't take any risks. But we, he doesn't seem to be able to get that across to the team. But um, I think the problem is, is that when you start defending that lead at 60 minutes, but you don't, you only make one of your changes on 60th minute and then the other two are in the last five minutes of the game. Like you say, when the yeah. legs are going out of your team and you don't, and you, you know, he could have made a change on 70, he could have made a change on 75 to put some more legs in that team to help us get out, to help us get the ball away, to ease the pressure. Um, and this kind of comes back to a thought I've got on the centre half. Like they're playing poorly at the moment. But if you've got to continually try and dig the rest of the team out of the muck and you've got to continually defend, you know, they defend a lot in a 90-minute spell and you do that week after week, inevitably you're going to start conceding goals, you, your confidence is going to go. And that's all a response of us not being good enough, a, 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 a being a confident, solid forward fo- football team, I think. It all, it, all, it all bleeds out. It comes back to the, the manager's tactics, the manager's preparation, everything like that again. It does. Yep, it does. I don't know. We better leave this game, Ollie. We'll finish yeah. off with top threes in a minute. I mean, Swindon were terrible, weren't they, in general? Yeah. Um, they look like the sort of team, like a lot we played recently, we're going to be down the bottom. And I know we've got a discussion point about the types of teams we played recently and how badly we've done. But, um, yeah, it wasn't very good. I, I thought Grant was solid. Obviously, you obviously didn't agree, Ollie, from looking at the agenda here. But, I don't know. You know me. I like Anthony Grant. <laughs> yeah, I just thought if that's code for very, very average. He didn't influence the game at all. He, um, yeah, he didn't really do. He was a bit of a passenger, to be honest. I think... I'm not sure why you, you think Grant is a good player in the, uh, uh, using you, this game as an example. He didn't get forward at all, but and we sit to the back and does the job he did for us. That's all he did for Swindon as well. And, um, you know, it's not like we actually broke on them all that much that he had that much to do, to be well, fair. Well, he wasn't you know, there scored, was he? No, but our goals were conceded from, you know, set pieces and stuff, weren't they? It wasn't like we, we were running through them all the time. So, I don't know. Maybe you're being harsh on him, Ollie. I think you probably are. Um, no, but there we go. Um, just, I don't know what you're going <laughs> You think I'm too about. positive? You, you, you think players, I'm too harsh? You, you love old players. I think you have some romantic views. <laughs> I, think he would, I think he'd start in our team still, Ollie. But there we go. Um, go on. Top three, Ollie. You start this week. Um, yeah, I went... Well, again, it was just a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah, I went for... Um, for Tracy first, because he didn't really do anything wrong. Edwards mm. tries quite hard, and Pew crossed the ball to score a goal. 
Yeah, I, I originally had Pugh down as man of the match. I've changed my mind. Kevin had this discussion. Um, but I, I went for Miller because actually uh, one of the sy- symptomatic problems that what happened was when he went off, we lost a bit of our impetus down that right-hand side as well. Um, so I thought, you know, you couldn't really complain. He wasn't at fault for the last two goals. He was off the pitch. As we said, he had a very good first half. So I thought Miller probably deserved his first man of the match at the club. Um, but then I went for Tracy as well. Second, he, he was impressive in terms of his attacking play. Um, and I went for Edwards third just because the goal. And, and he did bring a little bit of control and, and stability in midfield, a bit more sensible passing at times. Obviously, when it went to shit, he went to shit like everybody else. But in, in the first half, particularly, he 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 showed that he still got a place playing for this football club. So that was my top three. What about you, Mike? Uh, it's, it's difficult to pick a five and a half out of a team of fives, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's, they were all so average. Miller, because like you say, relatively new, scored a goal. Um, Jesus, um, I can't really pick anybody else after that. Like Shiloh Tracy was all right, but he frustrated me that he wouldn't run a channel. Like with the front three, somebody that won't go wide is a big problem for me. He kept coming inside, um, probably again manager's direction. Uh, so Edwards maybe scored a goal. I, I don't care. I don't care about this team. I don't care. That's the problem. Oh no, it's a bit yeah. of a problem for a lot of people at the moment. Yeah, I should imagine the iFollow numbers are a long way down at the moment in time, Ollie. But um, there we go. You've you've got on the agenda here, Ollie. Five wins because a lot of fans were saying we've won, you know I think even was it Ricketts that said we won five games in his comments. Yeah, he does. Yeah, hmm. it is. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, so in in Samrick, it's post match. Um, he's he's obviously he's, he's always very aware of kind of what's going to happen and what's going to be discussed. And yeah, we've won one game now in eleven. It's awful. We've got two. Yeah. Is it two points from eighteen at home? Or is it maybe oh. three now? I don't know, but it's it's very low. We've we haven't won once in the league at home yet. We've only won once away, and that was a scrappy goal where Clark. Um, defied the manager's orders and scored from a corner. Um, <laughs> and the manager goes on about five wins. And to be honest, five wins, he can he can shove that up his ass. Like, to be honest, we won, beat Wimbledon once in the league. And then the other wins come um, in the EFL trophy and then beating a reserved Cambridge side. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're in, it's, we're it's, in November it's, now. And yeah. that's a pretty abysmal record. Yeah, so we haven't won a home game since February 2020. So that's quite a while ago. And yeah, the five wins are interesting. It's like Wimbledon, we scored in the last minute, as you say, to to beat them. So that could have been easily been a draw. Newcastle's kids, essentially, they're on a 21 team. They, you know, all right, we beat them, but they were just young lads. I mean, they weren't Liverpool kids, so we couldn't beat them. But um, and then Bolton crew reserves. And I would also say a a weakened Cambridge is that fifth win because they were missing both their two scorers that have been absolutely smashing the goals in this season. So we haven't played, sorry, we haven't beaten anyone of any note for absolutely months, have we, Mike? I think I think Sam Ricketts is doing Donald Trump's uh, press at the moment. You know, we won that <laughs> big, you know, yeah, we, we're still in this. No, he's, we've, we've been poor. We haven't got the results. The, the the wins that he's hanging his hat on are, you know, they're very easy to pick apart. And, it's mm. you know, it, you can't keep treading over the same ground, but it's he's he's desperately trying to trying to sugarcoat the pill. And it's, it's yeah. rubbish. It's just absolute rubbish. Yeah. So let's, so we've got a few discussion points. Let's just go through the manager's comments, I think. Got a question for you guys, uh, and then yeah, let's have a discussion about uh, yeah whether whether we're going to get relegated or not. Um, so what the manager had to say, he said, dis- bitterly disappointed um, not to have all three points. Um, you could argue it wasn't a throw-in; it was our throw-in. Uh, we we sit deep, we invite pressure on. That's the eagerness in the team. I have no idea what what on earth he was going on about. I don't know if he'd smoked we, we, something before the sorry. <laughs> he said we were too eager to win yeah, the game, basically, didn't he? I mean, eager to see the game out. And then Stuart Dunn asks about not winning at home, and then that's when he goes on about we've won five games, and it's we're too eager for the win. Um, and he said we're very close to being um, far higher in the table. So, Glenn, <laughs> who's at fault for this eagerness, um, and who's at fault for the fact that we sit deep and we can't win? Well, yeah, this is it. It's like the, the two things he said in this interview were kind of indicating that the players are just too eager to get the win, and they they were too eager. To- to sit back and defend what they already had. I, I don't believe that for a minute. I, I, we've watched Sam Ricketts football for two and a half seasons. It has happened whether we've had Pierre, Williams, Ebanks, um, you know, defenders who we had before that, Beckles. They all do the same thing whenever we get in this bloody same situation, particularly at home. They all sit back. They all get deep. Norburn sits deep. They all go back. I mean, obviously, he didn't because we played up front this week. But it, it's got to have been his coaching for me. That, that's his mentality. He is a defensive negative manager. And he can't be surprised that every time we get in this situation, they just revert to type. That's he, what he has taught them, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, totally. I mean, an eagerness to sit back at 60 minutes. I, I mean, there can't be a group of 11 professional footballers who want to do that. You know, because it, oh. it only ever goes one way. It's not. It's not something people are brought up doing in football. So it's obviously a. It's it's obviously a 
a, a, a plan that's put in place, you know, don't give away a victory. Um, mm. But it, it being about eagerness as well, like nobody's eager to just try and lump the ball out of, out of your own box for 30 minutes. It's, 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 and again, it's, he's asked a question by Dunny and I think he just makes his stuff up on the spot because it's all he can say. Because if he doesn't say that, all he's got to say, yeah, I balled it up again, guys. And Ollie, no accountability again. It's getting on your yeah. nerves, isn't it? Yeah, it is. There's nothing about what he's going to do. It's all about yeah, blaming the players again. Um, the he, players must be a bit tired of the manager blaming um, them for their for these poor performances. Yeah, it's about time he took some ownership, Glenn. And yeah, something that um, both you and Mike kind of pushed on there about um, our defence. And one thing I'm a bit concerned about is we're playing effectively our three recognised central defenders every game. Yep. Um, and yeah, are, are we missing a fourth centre back? Yeah, so I, I put a question, didn't I, on Twitter today, which I think was, was worded in a way that made me think I just miss old players as usual, Ollie. But <laughs> I, I put, would we be a better defensive unit if we had Omar Beckles still in this team? And I didn't say that because I'm expecting him to have started every week and be the number one player and that he was always fantastic in the centre-back or left-back position he played. But we have now binned off what, what Sam Ricketts in detail went over with us for an hour and a half when we talked to him in the summer the tactically employed from the Middlesbrough game onwards until a couple of games ago of, of not playing five at the back. We've binned it off, right? He's given up on that. But we've now built such an unbalanced squad that we don't have that fourth centre-back. And Walker's been filling in there. And for me, it, the whole reason for saying, do we miss Beckles, is because if, if he had that fourth centre-back, you could rotate. There'd be fresh legs. There would be, and this is key for me, competition for places. Because Williams, Ebanks and Pierre have no competition for places now. And they're all basically not playing very well. Williams is doing okay. The other two are abject at the moment. And where's the pressure on them to lose their place? There, There is none. So for me... It's, again, a squad-building thing. We've got a massive squad, loads of right-backs, but now not enough centre-backs for the tactic we're going to play. And it's another thing where I'm sending the blame straight up the channel and it goes straight to Sam Ricketts, Mike. Yeah, that, I mean, Beckles was never, you know, he was never the best of the four. He was always, I nope. think, on a par with, with probably with Rochon, but Rochon's got a bit, a bit more youth on his side. So, on paper, you know, Pierre is a very good League One centre-half. We've seen it. So is uh, Ebanks. And, and so is Roshan on his day. So maybe you think, well, you wouldn't miss him. But then if your fourth centre-back, because you've now got to play one again, is a central midfielder, you know, Brad Walker, who has played well at centre midfield. But if halfway through a game, he's got to go and play centre-half. Or one week mm. he's playing centre-mid, next week he's playing centre-half. He's never going to settle. And it's going to upset him. But then, like you say, the lack of competition for the rest of the guys. And then the they start conceding goals and there's one of them playing every time we concede a goal. The collective confidence of the defensive unit is going to drop because it's always two of three, isn't it? Or then three of three. So, and we're playing so badly that it's just every week, they're just going to get less and less confident, more and more nervous, make more and more mistakes. And it's, it's only going to go one way. You can't, refresh it with some with some more positive mentality because there's only three of them yeah especially when they've conceded six goals in a week Ollie. all right they get a week off this week so i should imagine all three of them will start next saturday but i looked at the fixtures in the run-up to christmas we've got saturday tuesday saturday tuesday saturday tuesday three weeks in a row you know there's no way that they can play nine games in three weeks those three central defenders you know one of them will need to be getting rested at some point and and it is it is stupid because we're not going to have a recognised centre-back to come in, Ollie. So, yes, we do miss a fourth defender. Um, you know, we might not necessarily miss Omar Beckles, but it's more the position of, of the man, that he, the position he could offer us and cover at left-back. But, um, yeah, it's, it's down to down again. We've ended up in this situation. Isn't Sears a centre-off? What's happened to Ryan Sears? He's injured. Well, he's, he's injured, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he's injured, unfortunately. Yeah, so but again, another, that's a risk. Yeah, it would be, you know, he's not rushing back, it would be a risk. Yeah, exactly. So, who knows? Well, we can go out and buy some more defenders. I mean, Bournemouth must have some X defenders that are <laughs> semi-retired so Hello. let's go and ask them if they've got any another question for you guys so are Shrewsbury Town going to get relegated so before before you answer just a couple of stats so we've won one in 11 um, and our goals um, our points per game would mean that we'd get 33 which is absolute guaranteed relegation you normally get relegated with a point per game uh, but we're not even getting um, a, a point a game at the moment no um, if we average out this this kind of run for the whole season, um, we're going to get um, four wins all season. Um, yeah. And the trouble is, fun. though, as Lewis Cox pointed out, um, we have played so far 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th and 23rd. Oh, God. That is worrying. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll come to our fixtures later, um, not to depress your fans any further, but unfortunately the fixture looks, looks quite hard. So, yeah, over to you, Glenn and Mike. Like, do you think Shrewsbury Town are going to get relegated? 
Not if we sack, sack Sam Ricketts before the next game. I suspect we might have a better chance of staying up. I, I'm utterly convinced if he stays at this football club, we're getting relegated. Um, I don't believe he's got it in him to do another rebuild in, in January. And I actually think if this form continued to January, because of how many games we're fitting in in a short period of time, we would probably be out of contention for staying up anyway. So for me, we probably would get relegated with Ricketts in charge, but I don't think it's a done deal that he sees out his contract. And so I'm just hanging my hopes on, on what comes next because our form at home against poor teams has been awful. And I've no ambition that we're going to beat them away. And we're, we're not going to go to Ipswiches and Sunderlands and get results. It's Unless it's a pure fluke, you know, like we had a couple of times, but it's not going to happen consistently enough to get us out of trouble um, and get that points per game thing up. So, no, it really worried me when I read that Lewis Cox tweet. And I, I think we're heading in a relegation. We're definitely in a relegation battle. Whether we get relegated or not is to be confirmed. Yeah, we, you know, we played how many games we played with third bottom. Um, well, of course, we're going to get exactly. relegated. If he carries on doing what he's doing and, and what he's doing is currently doing loads of random stuff, uh, there's no plan, there's no clear clear idea of what he's trying to achieve. He's not the guy that can turn this around. If we don't get rid of him, we're going down. That's the, that's, that's the end of it. And I, I don't understand why Brian and Roland can't see it. That's what I don't understand. The, the writing's on the wall. Anybody that watched this through Ratcliffe, it's the same. It's history repeating itself. Um, and it only ends one way unless we get rid of him, and that's relegation. But the problem is, mm. whoever comes in has got a big job turning this ship round. Um, yep. A bloated, over, an age squad, an injury hit squad, a low on confidence squad. You know, you've got to work some real magic. Um, and you're not going to have that much leeway in January to change anything because we've already spent all the money by the looks of it. Mm. Yeah, and we've got a big squad. So we've got players yep. that don't even get into the 22 man yep. squad. Now, it's a bit like when Askey left and this guy called Paul Hurst came in and turned things around within a fairly short order. He, we almost need a manager like that again. Wrong so, way around, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mickey Mellon. Mellon. Sorry, Mellon. I'm wrong, aren't I? Yeah, correct. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, it was <laughs> Mellon, wasn't it? I, I, I like to get Askey in every podcast. Um, it, Just on that point, Ollie, we had a question from Andy Lewis on Twitter as well, which is probably more for me and, and, and you, kind of having been to do interviews at the football club and, and having contact with Brian and stuff. Roland is a whole different question because we don't know the man, but we can guess. Um, but the question was, you know, do, do could we discuss our opinion whether Ryan or Roland actually know the level of discontent there is amongst a majority of Shrewsbury Town fans at the moment against Sam Ricketts? And we've touched on it a couple of times the last few weeks, but I don't know. Do, do you think, let's talk about Brian, but because I don't think we can really judge what, what Roland Witchley ever does. But do you think he is aware as, as a sort of switched on football um, administrator he is of, of what fans are saying and feeling at the moment? Yeah, one hundred percent. Really, um, he certainly yeah, knows I... what I think. I think, <laughs> I've told him. Um, well, that's but enough. Yeah, they really do know um, how the fans feel. Um, they're, mm. they're very much aware of the frustrations. Um, the club keeps a keen eye on kind of like what the fans are thinking. Um, so yeah, I think, um, I think, I, th- I think they know. Does Roland know? Yeah, I think he probably knows as well. Yeah. Um, and you know, so. he's he's an experienced football man. Both of them are experienced football guys. They they know what's 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 happening. Um, and a question I put out earlier and kind of a bit of like well tweeted it earlier in the day. This is the time now for the leadership of the club to make action. Yep. And if they don't do anything now, or in the next, I think this week, I think really needs to be the week because there's no game midweek. If they don't do yep. something in the next few weeks and we get relegated in May, you can't. They can't just look back and say it's the manager's fault because. They were inactive. Yeah, the pressure. I'll throw this to you in a minute, Mike. The pressure increases on Roland and Brian week on week, doesn't it, with this poor league results and forms and stuff. And, uh, you know, maybe they get sometimes blinded by the FA Cup. It's, it's clearly been something they've, they've put a lot of stock into over the last few seasons because money's vital at the moment. But the, the league form, you know, they've got, they've got to start paying some attention to. And, and we, we can't rule out, Mike, this week that, you know, he might go. It's still something that, if it was done now, would probably be fairly valid. Yeah, every time there's a tweet from the, the official town account, I'm looking to see if he's been sacked. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> Genuinely, and, every, and if it's like a you know an attendance update or something, you know, like there's a new car parking place has been painted down, it's a bit disappointing to be honest with you. So I might unfollow <laughs> like Ollie did. Um, but yeah, I, it's only going one way for me, and I think you know, like you say, I'm tweeting Brian a picture of Paul Hurst every week after we lose. I hope he's getting the picture, you know, I hope he's getting the message. Um, but I, you show me one time fan out there that thinks Rickett needs more time or that he's the guy. There isn't one. There Mike. One. That guy, well, man, Mike, Mike operated Shropshire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? You know, when Sam off the back of the town coach and put a funny voice on, that guy. <laughs> there will be some. There were always some fans. I was reading Blue and Amber, and there are a few people on there trying to give legitimate reasons. But most of those reasons fundamentally boil down to we can't afford it or... He's still a young manager learning his way. And and for me, that's way too that's way too nice of the situation we're in. So, you know, even those even those arguments are, are fairly they've got a lot of holes to be poked in them, haven't they? 
the, the problem we've got though is the longer we wait, you look at Bristol Rovers have already sat their manager who were doing better than us in the league. At, you know, whoever they employ is potentially somebody we could have had and they might have done the job. And so the longer we oh, yeah. move it, the less viable options are probably in the marketplace to replace him. And if you if you go past January and you lose the window, you know, not acting now is is self-destructive, I think. Yeah. And Cloughy's already gone, so we've already lost him. Yep. And um, won three on a spin. Derby has sacked their manager. So I'm not saying we're necessarily in competition, but you never know. We might be able to get someone who was, you know, you know, maybe was kind of undecided about the championship or league one. Um, mm. Time is ticking in terms of making a decision. Yeah, let's leave it there. I mean, the only two other bits of news this week, um, it's kind of not sat up news, but just to kind of round up, we, we obviously got drawn with Brist, um, Bristol City, Oxford City um, in the next round of the Cup um, after they beat Northampton on TV. And that game's been selected for sort of live red button coverage on the BBC and BT Sport. Um, so, yeah, we don't really need to talk about that. Some much needed money coming in. I think it was in 60 grand's worth of money, wasn't it? Um, and a very winnable uh, tie, although let's not discount Oxford City in our form at the moment. So that was a bit of a positive this week, I guess. And Brian put another message out about season tickets, Ollie, which we probably won't talk about too much because we've done an hour now, but maybe we'll revisit down the line. But similar message to before. There are refunds available. There's an iFollow disc, uh, sort of uh, money that's being taken off that. Um, but please don't get them because we need the money. So we'll maybe revisit that down the line if Ricky gets still here in a few weeks' time and we're, we're thinking about monetary issues. Um, and, yeah, I suppose predictions, Ollie, is the best place to leave this, really, and then having a quick look forward because yeah. you actually got a prediction, well, a score line right last week, even though we didn't we didn't get it bang on again. Yeah, so I went for a draw. Um, you went for a Shrewsbury Town win, which was a, a bit crazy. Um, yeah, so I, I got a point there, so that's good. Um, and then, yeah, looking ahead. So not just looking ahead for the next game, um, but I thought it was just worth, worth looking ahead. Um, there's a good chance that we won't actually win another league game this year um, because our fixtures are um, Ipswich Town, Milton Keen Dons, who just beat Sunderland at the weekend, Accrington Stanley, who are 11th, um, Charlton, who are just fantastic in this league under Lee Bowyer. Hull City, they're doing really well. Hunt Sunderland are on a bad side. And Doncaster Rovers um, have some good mm. players. Um, they're a good side hey. as well. So that's seven really tough fixtures coming up. Yeah, we're, we're, we're screwed, aren't we, Mike? We're going to be absolutely smashed in all of those, aren't we? Let's be honest. <laughs> Ipswich could be horrendous next week. I think, I think instead of predicting the next result, you should predict which result is going to get Sam Ricketts for sack. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Those seven games, is he not going to be manager of? I, well, I, 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 I hope it'd be sooner rather than Ipswich, but yeah. um, I have I'd no idea. None. Yeah, I'd say he gets attacked no before Ipswich. <laughs> Hopefully tomorrow morning, to be honest with you. We might right, get the, the... The, if it has to be one of them, it's got to be Ipswich if it's not already by, yeah, yeah. Um, by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what about, what about Ipswich next week, Mike? Uh, you're obviously not overly confident about it. What, how bad do you think it will be? Um, poor God, four nil. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah, mm. oh, well, yeah, I- I'll go less than that because we-, we generally don't get smashed by too many. Um, but oh, I don't know, I can't see a score on many against Ipswich. I'll go, I'll go two nil to Ipswich. I'm gonna go four one. Ugh, God, that's. Not good reading on the agenda, that lads. If I'm honest with you, um, so yeah, yeah, what a terrible place to leave it. And to be honest with you, it is terrible to be honest with you at the moment as a, as a fan of a football league club and struggling. It's it is upsetting. I had a bit of a rant last week about it, but fundamentally, you know, we mean all the guys are saying this month, but fundamentally, you want things to turn around, don't you? You want to watch a football club heading in the right direction again. You want the joys of a, a Mickey Man, you know, season where it was good fun, fun to watch it, or Turner, or Hurst, or some of the seasons we've had while we've been watching football. And, you know, you don't want it to be like it is at the moment, Mike. You, you want it turned around. Yeah, I, I feel so incredibly disconnected from the club by not being able to go to live matches anyway. Just watching yeah. the tally thing is terrible. And watching bad results on the tally is, is it's soul-destroying, honestly. You know, to be able yeah. to turn on one day and see us pick up a win, I mean, it, it lift, you know, not overplaying it, but it lift the spirits of all the town fans, you know, with everything else going on in the world. God, can we just get a win on the board? Like, And, mm. you know, if Sam Ricketts won his next game and won all seven of those games we talked about, I'd be absolutely buzzing. I'm not trying to drive the guy out of town from a personal vendetta. Mm. I know what's best for Shrewsbury Town Football Club. I don't think he's the answer. I can't contemplate relegation at the moment with football finance as the finances as they are and the, the pyramid restructure and all that. And you just desperately want to see us turning things around. And I, I can only see it with a change of manager. But God, yeah, that's all we want. Just what's best for the town. And, and Ollie, my last bit on this before we wrap the podcast up is that's what, something I'm, a growing feeling I'm sensing from Shrewsbury Town fans is that we're in danger of, of pissing away 
10 to 12 years of progress since you moved to the new meadow because this is a very, very bad season to be getting relegated out of League One with, with how football finances are going, with the changes that might be coming along, with salary caps, with lots of different things. This isn't the time for Shrewsbury Town to be getting relegated. It, it could be one of those things like a South End, like a Sunderland, like a you know Chesterfield, where once you go, you go bad. And there's there's no way that we can discount things like that from happening. And, and that's where I'm at at the moment. It's It's... Beyond Sam Ricketts, it's about the future of the football club. And my view is, like Mike, I think the best thing to do here is to, to rebuild with somebody else and, and try a different approach. And to do that, to not do that, as as you guys have said, will be negligent. And and I'm just hoping we do it and hoping we can we can go into a new era of some positivity. Yeah, I think I think Mike summed it really well. You know, it's not about you know nothing against the bloke. It's about our football yep. club. Um, and yeah, you know, bigger teams than ours, um, Bradford and Pompey, spent years in League Two. Um, so, yeah, you know, the, 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 having another Mickey Mellon season is quite rare, I'd say. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's it's getting pretty tense, I think. Oh, well, that's that's where we'll leave it. I should say thanks to Mike for joining us. It's a bit odd at the moment. As so we've said on the podcast before, me and Mike usually sit by each other in Meadow and we see each other all the time. But now in the lockdown, it's it's been... <laughs> we haven't seen each other much over the last few weeks, have we, Mike? So, yeah, yeah kind of nice to catch up with you about football as well. So, yeah, cheers for joining us again. No worries. Thanks for having me again, guys. It's... Um, it, I really enjoy getting out of my system. Do you know what I mean? It's quite perfect, <laughs> this. Especially you can't go to the meadow and shout. Being able to just rant on your podcast is great. It's probably oh. wrong because I've done a lot of ranting, to be honest. Imagine the atmosphere every week. at home <laughs> full time. Be toxic. <laughs> oh, there we go. And Ollie, another another good week um, in terms of righting the wrongs, I suppose, in terms of, like I just said, getting out of our systems. But yeah, I just want to get back to winning ways. If we go and win at Ipswich, we, we have something positive to talk about next week, I will be happy. But I'm not overly confident about it. So um, yeah, cheers for listening this week, guys, and we'll catch you next week.